This is part two of imagining Cuba's standard gauge steam being brought back to the United States. Many of these engines were built in the U.S. by companies like Porter, Vulcan Ironworks, Baldwin, Alco, Rogers, and more. Episode two of this three-part series focuses on our journey with standard gauge steam from Cuba as we imagine they are introduced to a new life in America and participate in the revival steam movement. That is what we are about to hear on this episode of the Revival Steam Podcast. This is Alec Butler. I am the podcast host, fiction text narrator, and sound editor. The podcast inspires people to a world of 21st century revenue American trains pulled by new and modified steam locomotives. The sounds you are about to hear are from Blackthorn 57's YouTube videos with a Creative Commons license permission, and from Machines of Iron's Cuba 1998 DVD that were used by obtaining their permission before usage. After starting with a load of action in Michigan, Indiana, and Ohio, we will catch more action in states like Wisconsin, New Jersey, Delaware, Maryland, and Kentucky. All the action will take place in the autumn color season between late September and early October, when leaves will peak with beautiful red, bright orange, and flashy yellow colors. Most of the action will make this an action-packed episode of Short Line Steam, so relax in your chair, have a glass of apple cider, and close your eyes to imagine a collection of fall-colored steam revival steam festivals you would want to hear and see. The first railroad we will imagine visiting to view Cuba's steam in action is the Fox Valley and Lake Superior. This expansive regional railroad under the Watco flag has a cluster of lines once owned by Canadian National and previously the Wisconsin Central. In the northern cluster, we will focus on one of the seven lines in this region. The 27.6 long branch line from Spencer to Medford, Wisconsin serves the fertilizer, wood, lumber, window, and door products shipped on this line. The wooded region would be the perfect spot to start this adventure with steamers from not one, but two Cuban mills, or centrales. The trio of locomotives we will hear on this line include two consolidations from the mill Antonio Sanchez that relied on 280s. The two 280s are 1625 and 1623, built by Baldwin in 1920. The third locomotive will be 260 Mogul number 1303, built by Algos Pittsburgh Works, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in 1905. It is from the mill Amistad con los Pueblos. Let's imagine a day in the autumn colored landscape of Wisconsin as these three engines serve this line as their American cousins did long ago. The air is crisp, and a light wind was blowing as we begin with the first sequence of sounds. Number 1623 is switching around the yard at Spencer. Then we will travel to a point along the line as 1625 passes through Dorchester, where Northwest Hardwood ships out their wood and lumber products, and River Country Co-op serves as a fertilizer supplier. Lastly, we will hear number 1303 pass us as it was finishing up switching at Medford before it will eventually head back to Spencer later. But this is where we will end the sequence to complete a day on the Foxy, as one might call it, 
We will return for more steam in the future, though. For now, enjoy the sounds. We next travel back to New Jersey. The two steam locomotives from the Smith Cardianus Mill have been chosen. They include 1925 Baldwin 260 number 1530 and 1909 Porter 040 tank number 1122. After looking carefully at the scenery where the locomotives operated, the one railroad that came to mind in theory was the Black River and Western in Ringo's, New Jersey. Adding these two would flavor the operation owned by the Black River Railroad system, which also owns the Belvedere Delaware Railroad in New Jersey. Let's imagine that the 1122 would be the main switcher at the interchange with NS and Industries in Three Bridges, New Jersey. And alongside the regular steam engine on the BRNW 280 number 60, 1530 would pull mixed trains between Three Rivers and the soon-to-be-restored line to Lambertville.
we will spend one autumn day with the two engines on the BRNW. First, we chase the 1530 southbound to Lambertville. We catch the first mixed train for the day, passing through Ringo's, and then again at Mount Airy. Next climbed into the cab of 1530 as it passes slowly through Alexican after switching duties were done in Lambertville. The track is still relatively newly constructed, so the crew is taking it easy.
Meanwhile, back in Ringo's, we will listen to number 1122 switching near the engine house, and later to complete the visit to the BRNW with steam-powered Cuban sugar kettles, we will hear 1530 pass through town, and it will arrive back in three bridges to do some switching for the next run later in the day. These steamers joining number 60 on this railroad will be an excellent show for us in the future. We now travel a short distance into an area between Delaware and Maryland to see a group of four steamers from Centlau, Australia. This unique operation was using moguls and 280s. Three moguls are selected, which have fascinating facts about each. The first is 1920 Baldwin built 260 number 1607, which looks like the famous short line locomotive Mobile and Golf 260 number 97. The other 260, number 1716, may look American, but the German locomotive company Henschel built it. The last mogul is 1915 Baldwin, number 1593. 1280-1513, built by Baldwin in 1920, was sadly scrapped. So we will use the imaginative opportunity to build a replica of the engine with the original number and have modifications added to the engine and built it to burn bio-coal. One perfect home for this quartet would be the Maryland and Delaware Railroad for freight and tourist operations along the scenic eastern short line serving the two namesake states. The Maryland and Delaware, or MDDE for short, was started on June 20, 1977. It would grow into 120 miles of three-track segments throughout the Delmarva Peninsula. The three lines are named Northern, Seaford, and Snow Hill. We will focus our attention on the 39-mile-long Northern Line. It intersects with the Delmarva Central Railroad in Townsend, Delaware, and heads west towards Massey, Maryland. There, the line splits into two branches, 
One heads for Chestertown and eventually Wharton, Maryland, and the other for Centerville. We will focus the action on this line. We first hear number 1716 doing switchy at Lynch, Maryland, before heading south to Townsend. She is then followed by 1607 with a freight train from Centerville. This action is also a sign of things to come for the RS movement. We travel ahead of 1607 back to the engine service area and yard in Townsend. There we will catch the sight of four standard gauge steamers operating at one location. We hear 1593 wearing a high pitched hooter as she switches around the yard and slips on the tracks. 1607 will arrive back in town with its train. 1716 is resting at the service area and will blow down the boiler before heading into the yard for another train that afternoon. She is wearing a five-chime whistle. Then Tribute 1513 joins in the switching with a hooter whistle and bell ringing. This is a spectacular scene as steam is king in the Townsend Yard on this cloudy day. Enjoy.
The last railroad to visit, with Cuba Steam operating, is a lesser known railroad on another state border. The 40 mile long Ten Ken Railroad provides freight service between Hickman, Kentucky and the Canadian National Interchange at Dyersburg, Tennessee. Not much is known about this railroad at present times. Nevertheless, steam is beginning to reclaim this part of the bluegrass region. The primary steam locomotive action we will catch on this visit are four locomotives from Central, Ecuador, named after the South American country. They include 1916 Vulcan Ironworks 260 No. 1564, number 1904, another Vulcan Ironworks product from 1920, and two other 280s from Baldwin Works in 1919, which are 1578 and 1821. The open fields of this region would give room to steam smoke. At the time of this episode, the railroad track has little maintenance done to it, limiting trains to a slow speed like 10 to 15 miles an hour. Let's imagine that not only would Cuba steam come, but track would also be improved and be prepared for steam's arrival. This would provide the show we are about to hear in the last three sounds we will feature for this episode. The first sound features switching at the CN interchange and the Ten Ken Yard in Dyersburg. Bolo 1564 and Council 1904 provide those chores. While resting in the engine terminal, Council 1578 awaits her call. Enjoy the action on this sunny fall morning.
Later, the northbound train heading for Hickman is powered by 280 number 1821, running tender first. She is first heard heading out of Dyersburg, then stops at a crossing near the midpoint on the line, due to the ahead crossing not responding. With the problem aside, the train continues northward. Finally, we hear 1821 switching at Hickman, then departs smoke box first southbound for Dyersburg. The chase south consists of the train making a pickup at Tiptonville, Tennessee, and is paced along to Tank Road. And we, at last, hear the train passing the Booth Point Road crossing at Lenox, Tennessee, at slow speed before high-balling for Dyersburg, with 1821's beautiful and cheerful three-chime whistle getting a workout on this lovely colorful day. We had another excellent time with Cuba Steam returning to the country of its origins, and we conclude this journey as we take our next episode west. To end it all, I credit YouTuber Blackthorn57 for giving CCL permission to use his video audio for this episode. The same credit goes to Machines of Iron with their written permission for me to use their Cuba 1998 DVD audio also for this episode. I would also like to credit my Aunt Elizabeth Trembley for her hard work editing this script, as will future other scripts on this podcast. I look forward to our next adventure. Nothing more needs to be said. This is Alec Butler of Revival Steam, and we will see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.